afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today we're going to be talking about the correlation between resilience and spirituality. So the question is, does spirituality really have anything to do with resilience? Resilience demonstrates how well we adapt to difficult life challenges, such as illness, trauma, relationship problems, workplace issues, or financial stressors. Does spirituality help, or can it interfere with resilience? It turns out that depending on the nature of the religious or the spiritual practice, we can be made more, either more or less resilient. Today, we're going to talk about how resilience can be built through spiritual practice, And along the way, we'll discover the ways that some religion and spirituality can get in the way of true resilience. So you want to be here for this show. Stay here. So there's been some studies done that I think we need to to look at. Uh, Actually, between 2013 and 2018, 20 different quantitative research studies were made. And um, research journals were were written about these these, uh, various hypotheses and testing. And they were published between 2013 and 2018. And the results show that all of the studies have proven that spirituality has a significant positive relationship with the quality of life, as well as resilience in various sexes, ages, occupations, and illnesses. The higher a person's spiritual level, the better his quality of life and his resilience in facing life's problems. So the authors of that um, journal article were Dinar Sari Akadawi and Hazal Lisa Binti Hamza. And so we understand that there is a correlation between the two, uh, but what we don't know is what, what, what spiritual practices help and what can get in the way. So I want to talk just a little bit about what can get in the way first, because I think we need to understand that. Um, any, any religiosity that poses as spirituality that is very rigid and compulsive in nature and very legalistic in its approach um, can be can get a person stuck and then they get very anxious about what's the right thing to do and, and uh, they look for external approbation for their for their concerns and they are looking outside of themselves instead of inside of themselves for uh, uh, some kind of answer to their quests and they, uh, so they want to seek out an external authority figure who can tell them what the right thing to do is. And sometimes that external authority figure has their best interests in mind, and sometimes that external authority figure is uh, one of those wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus talked about and other um, master teachers talked about that really does lead us astray. And so sometimes we can get stuck right there and not be able to be resilient, not be able to uh, adapt to difficult life challenges. And so uh, the the recognition there is that we have the capacity to uh, keep ourselves from the internal self, from our own internal wisdom, and look at, seek out external uh, uh, authority to tell us what to do 
And that authority can be the interpretation of somebody's, somebody else's interpretation of sacred texts. It can be somebody else's uh, leadership. Um, for example, we saw uh, in Arizona that uh, uh, one person died and several person got sick because they were following the guidance of their teacher who told them not to leave when the uh, when, when they were uh, doing a spiritual exercise and, and the heat in the tent got very, very hot and they wanted to leave and he told them they, were, they should not leave and, and there were some real disastrous outcomes to that. So they were looking for uh, external leadership and he gave them poor leadership and uh, that's, that's, you know, of course that's not going to build resilience. Um, and uh, so when we, when we look for external leadership instead of internal leadership, um, we might not be led appropriately. We might not be led back to our internal selves. The best external leadership leads us back to the self or internal leadership. The best authority is our own inner authority. Now, I'm not an anarchist, so I'm not uh, saying that we should uh, um, just get rid of all authority. Um, certainly, uh, there was some leadership that the, uh, um, the the spiritual leader that was guiding the people through the sweat lodge, certainly they, he had said some things that were true and right and, and you know, but and when it came to leading them about the sweat lodge, that was poor leadership and that we got them in a lot of trouble. But they had already been taught to follow that leadership instead of their own internal guides. Their internal guides were telling them it's too hot. I need to get out of here. It's too hot. And they weren't listening to themselves. They were listening to that external leadership. And um, so we, 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 when we're listening to internal leadership, that's the best um, way to go. Now, there are a lot of people out there who will say that your internal leadership will lead you astray and only certain uh, interpretations of the Bible or certain interpretations of sacred texts or certain inter- interpretations of life or certain interpretations of morality, only those can lead you correctly. And if you listen to that, what you're doing is listening to the external leadership. Um, but internal leadership tells you about your intuition. It tells you about your emotions. It tells you about your own thoughts, some of which could be true, some of which could be false, but you get to decide that. And uh, it tells you about uh, your, your own spirit guide, your own spirit guides. And, that, and that, that is not outside of you. That's inside of you. Your spirit is a guide, and it does want to lead you in the correct way. Um, so if you follow that, then you're going to build resilience. And if you look outside of yourself, you may build resilience and you may not. It depends on the leadership you're listening to. Um, so that's one of the ways that, uh, that, uh, religiosity posing as spirituality can get in the way of, uh, resilience. Another way is through, um, what's called by spiritual bypassing. Um, a man named Robert Masters came up with that term and, um, I really appreciate that term. It's a good term because what it means is we're, we're bypassing appropriate spiritual responses and calling that spirituality. 
Um, so we can do that through uh, telling ourselves not to have any quote-unquote negative emotions. We tell ourselves, oh, those negative emotions are really bad and they will get us negative outcomes in our actual, um, will manifest negative outcomes in our lives. And that is, uh, it's, it isn't true. It's not the truth. If I had uh, to say how many times that I've worried about something that never happened, worried to the point that I could visualize it, worried to the point that I could literally see this thing happening and just know it was about to happen, worried to the point one time when I was about 16 years old and dating this guy, he went on vacation and he uh, was gone longer than I expected him to and he didn't communicate with me by phone uh, for a couple days and I just knew he was dead. I just had it in my head that he was dead and that was the way it was and oh my gosh, that was awful and terrible and I was already grieving his death when he came and knocked on my door and said he, you know, he'd been with his mother and they'd stayed a few days longer than they anticipated and there was no problem and I was really worried over nothing. So you see... This teaching that's out there that tells us that we, if we think negative thoughts, we will get negative results is not been proven in the real world. Uh, I remember when I, was, uh, when I was a young child, I used to postpone putting, uh, putting the trash in the outside trash containers when it was my turn to do that, I would always forget on the day that it was supposed to be done and I would forget to do it and it just didn't get done. And my mother would come home from work and say, you still have to do it. And by that time it would be dusk and I would have to go outside in the dark to take the trash can to the trash, which was in an alleyway in the backyard. And we had a big light out there so I could see a long ways into the backyard. But when it got past the little fence out there, it was really dark. And I just knew that out there, there was a man who was going to kidnap me and take me away and do terrible things. And uh, that was what I had in my head. So I would get out there and sort of toss the trash at the trash can, sometimes getting it in and sometimes not getting it all the way in, and, uh, and run back to the house with the speed of lightning, just knowing that that man was racing behind me and he was going to grab my ponytail and take me off somewhere horrible and do terrible things. So... That went on for years. I, for years, I forgot to empty the trash can on the day it was supposed to be empty. And for years, I had that same imagination happen. But there was never a man who met me in the alley. There was never anyone out there. That never happened. So I did not attract negative results with my negative thinking. Um, and I'm sure you can all look back on, on various times in your life when you've worried about something and it never happened. Many times, probably, you've looked at, you've worried about something that never happened. And so this idea that we're going to attract negative things by thinking negative thoughts is just unfounded. And the same is true with positive. We can't necessarily just think positive things and they're going to just happen all of a sudden manifest positive results. I've literally had people come to see me in my practice to say, I've been working so hard to make my mind think only positive thoughts, and I still have not attracted that million dollars that I want. What's wrong with me? And so I wrote a whole book about this. It's called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. 
because the law, the true law of attraction is not think positive thoughts and positive things will come your way. Think negative thoughts and negative things will come your way. That is not the true law of attraction. The true law of attraction is that we are attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, and events that bring us closer and closer to understanding who we are as divine beings. That's the true law of, of, of attraction. And it works. It works all the time. It never fails. But this other thing is, is magical thinking. And there's a lot of people out there who, who want to bypass true spirituality by trying to manipulate the gods, the universe, God, the divine, Allah, whatever you call this supreme being, you, uh, you, they want to manipulate that being into giving them what they want. And so they think, if I can trick the divine being into knowing that I'm only thinking positive thoughts, then I will get all the good things that I want. On the other hand, some people think of the universe as a neutral um, you know, kind of entity that isn't necessarily involved in our emotions and has no emotional response to us and so just reflects back to us what we think and what we feel and uh, gives us that in a manifesting way. And in that same sense, there's some magical thinking there because we know it doesn't work. So whatever the case, whether you call it a neutral universe or whether it's a divine being that does have some, some uh, anthropomorphized emotions, that if I just I'm coined a new word there, uh, if, if, if they have human emotions, then... You know, either way, it's still the same magical thinking of says, if I think negative or positive thoughts, I'm going to get negative or positive results. And that is bypassing true spirituality in the name of trying to get the, what you want from the universe. Um, but I've seen a lot of people struggle, struggle, struggle trying to make their minds think positive thoughts all the time because they believe that they've, they've been taught that they're going to get positive results that way. That's not a real relationship with a higher power. That's not a real relationship with the universe. That's not a real relationship at all. Would you do that with your mother or your father or your husband or your wife? Would you say, I'm going to try to think positive all the time so you'll treat me positively? I'm going to, you know, that's all I want to do with you is I, uh, I just want to think my positive thoughts so you'll treat me in a positive way. But I don't really have a real relationship with you where you really get to know me and I really get to know you. That's not spirituality. That's not even a real relationship. So that in those ways, that kind of spiritual practice, so-called spiritual practice, can, can interfere with our resilience. It can keep us stuck repeating, 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 repeating the same old thing and never getting any different results. And as you know, Alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous teaches us that if you do the same old thing and look for different results, that's the definition of insanity. So... Uh, that's another way. Another way is to keep ourselves from feeling that difficult emotions because we think we're supposed to be joyful and grateful and thankful all the time. Because, and some, some religions teach that. You should always be glorifying God or the divine, or you should always be thankful and grateful. And so that gets interpreted to mean that you can't have any other emotions. And that bypasses the deep spiritual growth that we can get from allowing ourselves to feel our in, in intense, difficult emotions. Sadness, for example, sorrow, can carry us to a new plateau of existence. It, it has a way of just demanding that we surrender to it. 
Um, when we when we feel just so sad that we can't help but cry and the tears just come and come and come and we just can't help it, that is the, our inner spirit saying, I have you right now. I'm going to let you feel this so much that you're going to know how connected you are to this person or this event or this dream that you lost or something, some kind of experience of loss or sadness where you're going to know that that is an attachment that's very, very important to you and you're going to ex- uh, allow, you're going to feel the intensity of that. And in that intense moment, you are being carried by a river that is taking you somewhere deeper into yourself and it changes you. That kind of sorrow changes you. It transforms you. So you become deeper. You become more in touch with planet Earth. You become more grounded. You become more spiritually aware. You become more in tune with the glory of life as well as its sorrow. So that's what I'm saying about when we bypass these difficult emotions and tell ourselves we shouldn't have them then what we're doing is denying ourselves an opportunity for a greater spiritual experience. Uh, anger is another one that people say, well, you shouldn't be angry. I, there is not a day that goes by that I don't see a meme somewhere on some social media site that tells me that we should not be feeling anger. Anger is a bad thing to feel, and we should not be feeling it. Some even equate it to physical diseases. And what I say to that is anger is a message from your authentic self to you, about you, and for you. We often misuse anger, that's for sure. We don't often know how to use it. But actually, it is meant to help us get in touch with what's not working in our lives so that we can find out what we really want and try to manifest that. And in so doing, we become more connected to the divine. And that process is just beautiful when you can allow yourself to feel the feelings, maybe get out a pen and start writing about those feelings, find out what it's trying to tell you, and then carry that through in action. Now, what I don't mean by that is that if you feel like punching somebody's lights out, you should go punch their lights out. That is not what I mean. That is an inappropriate use of anger. What I do mean is what is anger telling me about my life? What is anger telling me about my boundaries? What is anger telling me about my relationship? What is anger telling me about what I want in life? Not not what is anger telling me about you and what you've done wrong and how I need to make you do better. That's not what anger is for. The anger is your gift to yourself. It's not meant for you to use to somebody else. But it's very common for us to use anger inappropriately. And it's also very common for us to just choose not to feel anger at all. Of course, then it builds up and it comes out later and it's not very pretty. So uh, these are emotions that we can have that can build our resilience. We don't think they will because we think they're negative. We call these emotions negative, but they're not negative. They're just difficult. And they're only difficult because we haven't been taught how to deal with them. All right, so that's it for this this segment. We're going to come back and talk some more about this uh, right after the break. Stay right here. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. 
Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about resilience and spirituality and the correlation between the two. And what we saw in the beginning was that there has been some research done that has shown that spirituality has a significant positive relationship with the quality of life as well as resilience in various sexes, ages, occupations, and illnesses. Uh, And they actually said that the higher a person's spiritual level, the better his quality of life. And what what we've been talking about is that it's also true that we can get stuck in religiosity that, that or spiritual practice that is compulsive, rigid, or uh, led only by external leadership, and that can keep us stuck. And so we don't, we don't have resilience. The best definition of spiritual resilience that I've seen was written by Dr. Sarita Wilson-Guffin, who's the director of the Spiritual Le Bonheur Children's Hospital. She said, spiritual resilience is found in the ability to sustain an individual's sense of self and purpose through their beliefs, principles, values, and morals. It is not only about how we recover from adversity. Additionally, spiritual resilience is shaped in how we bounce back or rebound through difficulties and move forward with a deeper knowledge of both God and ourselves. So uh, that last sentence is, is clarifying because with regard to spirituality, it means that in the, after we, as we go through a process of difficult life experience, we if, if we're being resilient, we are growing through that experience. We might not understand the growth right in the midst of the experience, but when the experience is over, we can look back and go, wow, I really grew through that experience. Um, I remember a very difficult experience in my own life in which I was uh, employed at an or- organization that was where the uh, director of the organization was asking me to do some unethical things and I was refusing to do those things and I was afraid, very afraid, that I was going to lose my job because I was just being very resistant that I was not going to do the unethical things I was being asked to do. And um, it took me two years to get out of that job and I had a fight the whole time to keep the job. Uh, And I did not want to lose it because I I was a single parent and needed to have income. So 
I was looking everywhere all over the United States for a job and did not get a single nibble until I started getting some local nibbles and had to be interviewed eight times for that job before I finally got the job. It turned out to be more prestigious, paid better, and it was a lot more fun than the other one. And nobody was asking me at this other job to do unethical things. But I look back after that was all over and I realized that I had grown exponentially because of that experience. Prior to that experience, I had difficulty speaking up. I was a little bit of a people pleaser and I didn't want to uh, tell people anything that was going to make them not like me or not respect me. And I uh, learned to speak up for myself. I learned to, um, you know, say the truth in the face of being afraid that I would lose my job if I said the truth. I said the truth anyway. Uh, and I, uh, I learned that, uh, that's, that my higher power was going to take care of me because in all that time I didn't get fired. And I, I, I found another job that was a lot more fun, a lot more interesting, a lot more prestigious, and paid a lot better. So um, it, it all turned out to be a good experience. And I look back on that now, and I'm very grateful to the person who was trying to get me to do unethical things because I, had, I learned so much from my encounters with that one person about myself, about my strength, about my spirituality. And so that... That is resilience. Uh, I will be. I gained more and more strength as time went by through everyday experiences that I had and everyday encounters that I had, where I had was forced to speak my truth, even though everything in me was screaming, "Shut up! Don't say anything." <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's an experience where we learn more. Uh, it can happen through illness. It can happen through all kinds of difficult experiences, but. Whatever the case, it is supposed to be building your understanding of yourself and of life and of, of, of you know, how to interact with people, what, you can, what your strengths are, all of that. Um, but again, we can be misled out of that kind of spirituality by spiritual bypassing. We were talking just before the break about how sorrow can, can lead us to a deeper spiritual understanding of ourselves and how anger even though people keep saying to us that we shouldn't be feeling anger, anger can very definitely help us to understand ourselves and our lives and, our, and figure out where we need our boundaries and figure out what we want out of life. Very much so. It can help us figure those things out. And so without anger, we, we, we don't know where our boundaries need to be. We don't know what, where there's a problem. We keep telling ourselves there's no problem when there is one. Uh, we can't keep ourselves safe from b- abuse we, we, you know, anger is a very useful emotion. It protects us in multiple ways. If we use it correctly, of course, like I said, we can misuse it. We can definitely uh, become the hammer and just hammer everything. Um, but we also can learn to use anger in a way that helps us to figure out our lives better. So those are just two examples of some of the difficult emotions that we can have that that some people are telling us don't feel those emotions. If you feel sorrow, you're somehow betraying your higher power or your divine entity, whatever that is for you, and uh, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You should always feel joyful and grateful, and if you don't, then you're not a very spiritual person. Um, if you're not always in bliss, there's something wrong with you. You're not really a spiritual person if you're not always living in bliss. Here's the thing. We were given an array of emotions because all of those emotions are useful to us. If we tell ourselves we're only supposed to feel one of those emotions, then we become a caricature. 
we now become a real person. We become a caricature. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you put your quarter in the machine and it produces bubble gum every time, every time, every time, every time. Nothing else comes out of you except that one thing. And that means that you're not a real person. And so only a real person can have a real relationship with a real higher power. But so, so understanding that there are things that can keep us from resilience through, through what is called spirituality, but may not be spirituality at all. There are many uh, people that get morality confused with spirituality. Uh, that they, they believe that if you're a, a good moral person, that that's, that's the, total, the sum total of your spiritual experience. And they would say, well, you're a very spiritual person because you're a very moral person. You're always trying to do the right thing. I, morality is great. I think, well, you know, certainly we don't want people going around harming other people and, and saying that's okay. Morality is great, but it is not the definition of spirituality. They are two different things. Spirituality is a relationship with some kind of higher power, uh, some kind of whether you call it the universe, whether you call it Allah, whether you call it Brahman, whether you call it you know, Krishna, what, what, uh, whether you call it God or Jesus Christ. Whatever you call it, it is your relationship with your higher power. And certainly you, if you have some kind of relationship with that and you practice that through, uh, through various practices, you can have, uh, that's called spirituality. Also, if you're an atheist, spirituality can be found through th- such practices as walking in nature and through meditation where you, you connect to something deeper inside yourself. Um, so... All of these things are spiritual practices, but if you um, if it's just if it's just that you're being a moral person, well, that's good. You're being a moral person, but that's not the same as spirituality. And so sometimes people get those mixed up, and they think that all I have to do is be a good person, and that's enough, and therefore I should be resilient. And sometimes because that's the thinking. There's also that comes with it some magical thinking that says, well, I've been a good person, so no bad things should happen to me. And I've actually worked with people over the years who had very difficult experiences because they had been taught to believe that if they were good people, they were going to have good things happen to them. And if they were bad people, then bad things would happen to them. And they had been very good people, but bad things happened to them anyway. And they just felt completely insulted by the universe and completely angry and could not understand how this was happening, and were very mad at whatever they called their higher power. So, um, you know, it, it was uh, it, that experience was life transforming for them because they began to understand that there's not necessarily a correlation between being good and getting good things happen to you. Um, some of the best people I know have had very difficult lives. Um, so, you know, we're 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 we've been taught some stuff again, by external leadership that isn't necessarily true that can keep us from being resilient. In order for these people to become resilient, they had to get rid of that magical thinking. They had to start saying to themselves, oh, my, uh, there is no connection between my behavior and how uh, the outcomes of my life, you know, in terms of uh, how all things happen for the good for me if, I do good, if I'm a good person. Um, Certainly we can make choices that are wise and we get wise results because of that. But even that's not always true. Sometimes we make good choices and we still get bad results. So uh, 
there is no always here. There is no there is no magic that says that you know if I sprinkle my my life with foo foo dust, I'm going to get what I need. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. So that's not resilience. As a matter of fact, that is anti-resilient. And so we we want to uh, we want to learn some spiritual practices that really facilitate resilience. And we're going to be talking about those in just a few minutes. What kinds of things really facilitate resilience? Um, we want to be able to rebound through difficulties uh, and 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 move forward with a deeper knowledge of our of both our higher power and ourselves. So when uh, when we bypass emotions, difficult emotions, when we tell ourselves magical thinking, this is not helping resilience. Resilience is walking through. It's walking through life's events uh, and, and taking on the challenges that life presents to us instead of trying to avoid them. Now, I'm not saying that we should deliberately make decisions to put ourselves in difficult relationships or difficult life patterns and just, you know, say that's our life challenge and we should just bear our cross and and get over it. I'm not saying that. I want to be clear about that. But I am saying that when life does challenge us, we we need to be able to figure out what's going on, make some like decisions about what we need to do and and move forward in a in a uh, direction that is meaningful and uh, offers us a deeper spiritual understanding of life and ourselves. So, um, when we talk about uh, what does not work with regard to spirituality, what we are saying is that we can develop all kinds of magical thinking, we can develop all kinds of ways of behaving that are meant to protect us but actually are only keeping us from being resilient. One of those ways that's meant to protect us is to just stoically go through life. You know, just go through life without allowing ourselves to feel anything that's hard. I've, I've known some people in the past who uh, seemed to live productive lives. They had good jobs. They had, you know, they moved up in their careers. They, um, they s- seemed to be relatively happy people. But they were living their lives as if nothing could ever get to them. And so when, when hard things happened, they just didn't let that get on them. It's like they, you know, they could walk through the cobweb, but the cobweb never got on them. Um, and you would think that that would mean they were resilient people, right? You would think, well, that means they're very resilient. But actually, they were not rebounding through difficulties or moving forward with a deeper knowledge of both their higher power and themselves, they were not growing at all. They were just staying stuck in one position all of their lives, which is, I am not going to have any difficult emotions. I am not going to feel these. So they were they were like a rock. They just never felt those emotions. And that's certainly one way of living. And certainly, you know, if that's the way you choose to live, that's I respect that and namaste. But I also would say that that's not going to build resilience. Um, when we when we, we stoically say that I'm just, I'm going to get through it. Back in the late 90s, there was a, a, a big campaign, marketing campaign about being fearless. You're not supposed to be afraid. 
And out of that, a lot of, well, maybe not out of that, but alongside that, uh, there was a lot of spiritual talk out there about fear being the opposite of love. And that if you were afraid, you couldn't love. And yet, fear can also bless us. If I'm standing in the middle of the road and there's a Mack truck coming, I should be afraid. I should be enough afraid to get myself out of the road. Um, If I'm in a difficult relationship with an abusive spouse, I should be afraid in order to get myself out of that relationship. I should be afraid enough to get myself out of that relationship in order to protect my life and perhaps the lives of my children. Um, There are times when fear is essential to our well-being. And uh, it it can be a form of self-love. So it is not opposite from love. It is is very often uh, the same as love. Now, if I live my life out of fear and can't do anything or get out of my house or, uh, you know, get anything done in my life because I'm so afraid, well, that's certainly not productive at all. And it's certainly not resilience. Um, So we don't want to let fear run our lives, but we do want to allow ourselves access to the fear that's inside of us so that we can understand it. And maybe it will tell us about some old experiences that we're still letting run our lives, or maybe it will tell us to get out of the road. There's a Mack truck coming. So, uh, So fear can be very helpful to us. So that old idea that we should not have that feeling of fear turns out to not be true as well. It doesn't build resilience. Um, and so uh, understanding that that our response to life makes the difference in whether or not we develop with resilience. Let me say that again. Our response to life makes a difference in whether or not we develop resilience. So if I, if I respond to life by, through magical thinking or through stoicism, or through trying to be fearless, or trying not to feel any sad or sorrowful emotion, or any angry emotions, or if I if I believe that I should follow some external leadership to all the way to wherever they lead me, even if it means dying in a sweat lodge, um, then then I then I am not building resilience. Okay, so I want to be really really clear about that. I've I've emphasized that a lot today because I want to be very clear. Not any kind of uh, Practice will get us resilience. It is all about whether or not we are really present in life and really experiencing life as to whether or not we build resilience. Um, so when I, being present in life means I'm here for it. I showed up and I'm here in this experience and I'm really experiencing it emotionally and physically and I am allowing myself to figure out what to do about it and make wise choices and grow as a result of these choices, as a result of my experience. And that, that builds resilience. So there are ways in which we can tell ourselves that we're very highly evolved spiritual people, but really we're just trying to live in bliss and avoid any kind of difficult emotions. Really we're just trying to not have anger, sorrow, or anything bad happen to us, so we're always thinking positive thoughts and we're always trying to get positive results. And and um, so when we do that, we're not building resilience. So after the break, we're going to talk about exactly how we can build resilience. Stay here for that.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Do you have executive function challenges? Actually, these are a lot more common than you would think. These challenges include time management issues, organization, planning, focusing, memory, and problem solving. If this sounds like you, you'll want to check out Focus on Success. With Fazia Costi, you'll hear from professionals that offer advice based on their expertise and provide solutions to improve your life. Focus on Success can be heard Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. You have the power to be stronger, live fearlessly, and enjoy the benefits of a great life. Listen for Fearlessly Authentic with host Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody has proven at an age when many start to slow down that she is just getting started. With two grown daughters, a successful business that she started at 50, a finalist in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, and a two-time world bikini champion, she's ready to take you to the next level in your life. Fearlessly Authentic airs Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about resilience and spirituality. And what we've said so far is that there are ways in which we can avoid resilience by certain religious practices or certain spiritual, so-called spiritual ways of being that are not effective in keeping us resilient and bringing us to resilience. Um, what, we're, what we're going to talk about now is what are some of the ways we can build resilience. And one of those main practices that we can do to build resilience is meditation. And what I mean by meditation is not that we have to sit in a certain way or um, uh, hold our hands in a certain way or practice any particular yoga posture or uh, any of that. I'm not talking about um, that kind of uh, way of doing it. I am talking about allowing ourselves to just sit and listen. Listen to what's going on inside of us. Listen to what's being said to us from our deepest spirit. Listen to what the divine has to say to us. Just listen. Just be present for that. And there are, there are scriptures in every world text that tell us about this kind of uh, waiting for just listening to what's being said inside of us, just to sit. Buddhism says it's just sitting. Um, and the Bhagavad Gita talks about getting in touch with the divine self. Uh, the Christian, Christianity says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him and fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Or over the man who carries out evil devices. And it says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And that hoping in the Lord is kind of what you do when you just sit in the presence of your higher power. 
and just listen. Um, and so what happens very often as a result of that kind of sitting is we get downloads, sort of downloads from heaven, if you will, downloads from the higher universe, downloads from, from your higher self, downloads that give you information that you suddenly know to be true, but you don't know how you came to know, and you don't know uh, why you came to know. You just know that you now know something new and different as a result of just sitting. Uh, what I, well, I call it sitting with the divine. Other people call it just meditating. Other people call it just sitting. I call it sitting with the divine. So I'm just listening. I'm just there waiting to hear something. And what I've discovered through meditation is that there is a constant imagery going on in my mind. If I allow myself to get into a resting place, my mind is full of images already without my provocation. Um, And it's like the dream world. When we go to sleep, we're dreaming. The mind is making images out of thought, out of uh, uh, neurotransmitters. Sorry, I couldn't think of that name. Um, and uh, it is creating those images, and we're just coming up with them, and that's what happens in the dream world. And that also happens in the waking world when you get into a really restful position, and that information can be very helpful. Sometimes it's metaphorical. Sometimes it's very real. Sometimes you just develop a new connection to something higher and a new connection to something more real as a result of just sitting I'm just listening. Um, I know someone, a, fear, a dear friend, that uh, believes that he his highest meditation happens when he's playing the piano. Um, I totally believe that. It does not have to be sitting still. Um, it can be doing something that is meditative in its in its way of doing. I've heard people say that when they paint a house. The repetitive behavior of painting a house is a form of meditation, and they just get lost in that. And while they're painting the house, they're getting the painting done, but they're also in this, uh, you know, resounding place of, uh, of powerful information that's coming toward them from their higher selves. Prayer is another way of connecting to the divine. Um, and by prayer, I mean uh I think of living life as prayer. Everything we do is some form of prayer. But uh, specifically, prayer can be a request for something from your higher power. And um, and if and that prayer can connect you to your higher power. And my prayer is a little bit like a conversation that's ongoing throughout the day. When I get anxious about something, I might say to my divine, my higher power, I might say, I'm really anxious right now. And I don't try to hide it from myself. I don't try to push it away. I just kind of admit it. And in so doing, I feel a little bit better and a little closer to my my higher power. Uh, So just having a conversation, whether it's a request or whether it's just a conversation, prayer can be a way of building resilience. Um, certainly when you're going through a traumatic or difficult time, prayer would have probably be filled with requests. So, you know, please help this turn out the way I wanted to. I remember when I was going through that time where I was working for that difficult boss, I was certainly praying, please let me get this job. Please let me get this job. And of course I didn't get those jobs. 
I finally did get the right job for me two years later, but it took those two years for me to learn all that I had to learn. And I believe that I stayed at that place until I had finished learning what I needed to learn, and then I was allowed to let go. Um, And so, you know, my prayer didn't get answered the way I wanted it to, but it certainly did get answered. Fasting is another way. Some people use fasting as a way of connecting to higher power. That's not a method that I use, so I don't have much information about that other than to say that uh, I know that for some people, fasting really does help, especially when they fast and meditate at the same time. Uh, Living a simple life is one of the ways to to really uh, build your uh, spirituality and your resilience, to just kind of simplify your life Instead of making it into this, you know, thing that you have to have these particular material things in order to be okay, or you have to have this particular job or this particular outcome for your for your desires, just keep it simple. Just, you know, say what you need, try to get what you need, take care of the basic simple needs of life, and let the rest go. Journaling is another t- technique that people use to, to build their resilience to, through spirituality. They write how they feel. They write down all their feelings. They write down um, their connection to the divine. Some people even write down their prayers. Uh, and that really helps them to, especially when they look back over those prayers and see what's happened as a result. Uh, journaling is a very powerful tool. And I highly recommend it to, um, to help. Now, I don't recommend that when you're sort of fixing, thinking like a victim, that you get yourself going, going, going on that victim thinking that says, you know, life's, uh, life's really terrible and awful and no good for me, and I just, you know, it's just too much, too much, too much, and you can just go on and on and on with that and really get yourself in a hole. So I don't recommend that with regard to journaling. Fellowship is another way. We can sometimes be very connected to other people and that can build our spiritual resilience. We can really be honest with them about what's going on in our lives and have them be honest with them, us about what's going on in our lives. Too often in religious institutions around the globe, people are not honest with their peers uh, in their church or mosque or temple because they're afraid of being judged because there's so much moralism in the, in the church or temple or mosque that they can't get past that to just say, I've got a problem. And uh, they're afraid they're going to get judged, so they just keep all that to themselves, and they live in little isolated lives where they can't really share anything with anybody in their lives who are spiritual people. And so they don't grow. They don't become resilient. And uh, so what I'm talking about is the fellowship where you can really reveal who you are to certain people. And, of course, these are going to be people you trust, not people you don't trust. We don't want to reveal stuff to people that are going to just use it against us or judge us with it. Um, but we do, we do want to understand that that uh, we can reveal to certain people what's really going on in our hearts, and sometimes those people can just be with us in that, and that connection is so rich and so valuable that uh, it feels like we are not alone anymore. Study, I recommend study. Pick your sacred text. It doesn't matter what it is: the Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavad Gita, the Dhammapada the Quran, the Bible, pick your text. It doesn't matter. There's many sacred texts around the world. But studying that text, I like to study the root language of the Bible in particular because what I find is the root language of the Bible agrees with the Bhagavad Gita and the Dhava Gita. 
uh, and the Dhammapada, and it does it is there is no disagreement there, uh, and I find that to be amazing and very mysterious and very mystical, and so I like to look at the root language, which is not the same as the translated language that we have today, um, extant out there. Uh, so, studying. Uh, studying your sacred texts can be very, very helpful. Reading books that are spiritual can be very, very helpful. I call that bibliotherapy. Um, so you can you can uh, get closer acquainted with yourself. Uh, I interviewed uh, someone a long time ago who wrote a book, Why Me, Why This, Why Now? I highly recommend if that book is still in print. I highly recommend that reading. Robin Norwood was that uh, the author there and... Uh, uh, I highly recommend that book. It's a great book for difficult times, to get through difficult times. Um, gratitude is another uh, way that can be very helpful in in helping us to get through difficult times. If you can remember the things that you are grateful for, that doesn't mean you have to pretend to be grateful for things you're not grateful for in order to manipulate the gods into giving you a good, better life as some people kind of assert, that we should just always be grateful and then the universe will give us good things. Um, but it does mean that, that when we have honest gratitude, we can go ahead and express that to your higher power. Solitude is another way of getting spiritually uh, resilient. To just spend time by yourself and really get to know yourself. Be present in yourself. Be present with yourself so that you can really understand who you are as a being inside there. And most of us find that we're we're more than one person. We also we have a divine self, the what I call the authentic self, and we also have a uh, another self, an identity that we've put on that we've worn and worn for years. And we begin to dialogue between those two through solitude, and we begin to understand that oh, uh, I I need to let my my higher self, my my divine self, my authentic self carry my identity instead of the other way around silence is another way i love silence um driving in the car i love to just drive in the car with nothing going on sometimes i love to listen to audiobooks but other times i like to just be really quiet and let the hum of the no- of the car just be the only sound that i hear and that allows me to just be present with myself and and sit in that silence and and it's almost meditative I don't drive the car in meditative state, but it's almost meditative, that silence. Um, Reflection, contemplation, uh, self-reflection, looking at yourself, asking yourself really honest questions about what's really going on in your life, what's really going on in your thoughts. Being honest with yourself about your own shadow material instead of trying to pretend it's not there. Music is another way of being a very spiritual person, just to, to, to allow music to just flow through you and, and, you know, respond to it in this in a fashion that allows it to be real for you. Dance is another way. Uh, and celebration of all kinds that, that just allow us to celebrate life, uh, even in the midst of difficult times. These are all ways that we can build resilience in our lives through practices. And so these practices build us in, and allow us to be really present with our lives. And I can't emphasize enough how presence with yourself is so very important in this in this building resilience. Um, if you absent yourself, you're not going to build resilience. Um, so solitude and silence, simplicity, prayer, meditation, journaling, fellowship, study, music, 
self-reflection, all of these are very good ways to build resilience in your life. And I encourage it, and I'd love to hear from you about how that's working for you. All right, well, that's our show for today. We're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 